Welcome to the Faith Podcast. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe the Word of God has the power to transform your life to the life God has always meant for it to be. And we believe today's message will do exactly that. The slave market, the groves, and the Father's house. So let's begin with one of our text scriptures for the series in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Notice what it says, and hope expectation maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who is given unto us. Where is the love of God? It's in our hearts. Who gave it to us? The Holy Ghost. As you heard the first lady said earlier, God is love. So if the Holy Ghost is the spirit of God, he is the spirit of love. So the spirit of love has filled your heart with the love of God. That means you already possess the ability to love the most unlovable person. You can love the most annoying person. You can love the most trifling person. You can love the most ratchet person. Because God's love is in your heart. Verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. How do you know he was talking about us? Before we met Jesus, if you didn't hear it, you've met Jesus, we were considered ungodly. And when we're ungodly, we didn't have strength to do anything for ourselves, Jesus died for us. Before you could ever do one good thing, Jesus died for you. For scarcely, for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Another translation said like this, for a good person, people might think about dying for. For someone who is really good and inspires self-sacrifice, people may put their life on their line. But for the ungodly, who would want to die for them? I heard a song that says, What kind of king leaves his throne? What type of story is it that the hero dies for the enemy? But God commendeth, he showed, he proved his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You have to realize you were born in sin. Even the good things you do as a sinner are as filthy rags, as the Old Testament says. Before you could even do something in your mind that you can consider good, he died for you. We can't forget some of the most basic truths of the kingdom of God. When we didn't deserve it, God made everything available to us. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 1. While we were yet sinners, while we were still dead in our sins, Jesus died for us. The slave market, the groves, and the father's house. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Notice what the apostle Paul is telling Timothy, a young pastor. He's reminding him of things in this letter. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Notice what he said. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation 
This is true. This is trustworthy. Every believer should accept it, believe it, and never forget it. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Why did he come to save, to rescue, to deliver sinners? Just because you haven't been classified as a sinner in a long time, you can't forget the reason Jesus came was to save sinners. What did even Jesus say about himself? He says, the healthy don't need a doctor. That's why I came. I came for the sinner, not those of you who consider yourself righteous, but you really aren't. I came for the people who need it. See, you have to realize people think when they come to church that everybody's perfect. If you've been at church long enough, you realize. Just look to your neighbor and go, I realize. Everybody is at different levels in their walk with Christ. So ladies, let me help you out for a second. Just because you saw him in church doesn't mean he is a candidate for you. Same way for the fellas. Because everybody can lift their hands and put on a good show. But it's what do you do when you hit South Cab Drive and Church Street? You ask people, oh, do you believe in Jesus? I'm spiritual. Well, demons are spirits too. We need a little bit more classification. That's why you date somebody. And dating is not just so you can go out and, oh, we went to a movie, we made out, we did this and that. No. Dating, the most unromantic term I can come up with, it's an interview, a series of interviews. Because you may say, oh, I'm so in love, and you get married, you realize you married the devil. People tripping out on social media going, ooh, white and gold, black and blue. You wake up, ooh, who are you? All this to say is just because you're in church does not mean you've made it yet or you've even gotten that far. Somebody compared the church as a hospital. In a hospital, what? People are sick. They're trying to get better. And a lot of hospitals, there's some mental wings. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus. Y'all praying for me, right? <laughs> Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to deliver, to rescue, to heal sinners. When we didn't deserve it. Go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Start with verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. If you're new to faith, you realize very quickly we are a Bible teaching church. So we can go to scripture because we wholeheartedly believe you never have to accept the word of a preacher if he can't show it to you in the word of God. That's how a lot of confusion abounds in the body of Christ. Someone heard something that sounded good. And so they started believing it, but there's no backup in the Bible. Amen. Just because it makes you feel good doesn't mean it's true. Amen. I remember in Texas when I was an instructor in the school of ministry, I had some of the students and some graduates around, and it was near Christmas time. 
So I preached a message on Rudolph. There was nothing spiritual about it. I just had a little group. I took about two, three minutes to preach on Rudolph. And I knew how to put the right pitch. I knew to go, ah, you got to know about Rudolph. You have to understand there were people who hated on you. People who didn't like you because you are different, but your time's going to come. And what is different is going to bring you out. And then they're going to celebrate you. And people started getting excited. And I said, if you send your money in the mail right now, you'll get a breakthrough hoof and God will bring you out too. There is nothing biblical about that. <laughs> but do you know what the people began to do? Says, I kind of wanted to get that breakthrough hoof in the mail. Just because you feel good and it sounds good doesn't mean it is good. You have to judge everything you hear by the word of God. Not just from the mouth of preachers, but also politicians and celebrities and people you see day to day, well-meaning people, Big Mama, Pookie, Ray Ray, Paco, you got to judge everything they say by the book. This is how we live our life. We renew our mind by the word of God. What does that mean? As you grow up in this life, you are exposed to the Babylonian system. You're exposed to the kingdom of darkness. Whether you've grown up in church or not, there are some things that get into your mindset that are unbiblical. And you don't even realize it yet. That's why you stay in the word of God so God can point out you need to stop thinking that way. You need to stop doing that. Why would God stop you from doing things? Not because he doesn't want you to have fun. He just knows what that thing's going to lead you to do in the future. Everything starts as a seed. Your choices are seeds. I know we have our teenagers with us in here today. Your choices you make right now are seeds. You may not see the harvest when you're 15, 16, 17, but one day it will catch up with you. So sow the good seeds now. Don't sow all the bad seeds in your teenage years and you spend your 20s and you come back to God in your 30s half cursed trying to figure your life out. Make the right decisions now, even if it means you are unpopular and no one wants to sit with you at lunch. Sometimes in your Christian walk, you have to learn how to walk alone. You have to be willing to suffer and take persecution for the sake of the gospel. In this country, all they do is talk about you and try to make it hard for you by changing laws. In other countries you referenced earlier, they're trying to kill you. ISIS and Boko Haram are going after Christians to kill them, not just talk about So, So what? They talk about you. Make the right choice now. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And you're going to be grateful for it when you hit your 20s and go, whoo, I avoided all this drama. I avoided all this mess. I'm still alive. You don't see the impact now, but you will one day. So sow the right seed by your choice today. So Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath, past tense, blessed us with all. Say all. What's left after all? Spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So notice it's past tense, in the past, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. But my question is, when did he do that? Notice what the next verse say. 
according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. God blessed you with all spiritual blessings in Christ before the world began. So before the foundations of the world was laid, God took every spiritual blessing and put it in Christ and held it up in reserve for you before you ever did anything to qualify. He put it on reserve for you. So you can be in Christ today and not receiving any of your blessings, but it's still on reserve for you just for you to take it. Why? Because it's yours. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. What does predestination mean? It does not mean that some people get in and some people don't because God said so. No. What it means is God knew in advance who would choose him. Predestination does not limit or take away your free will. It enhances it. Simply enough, it means God is really, really smart. He knew what choice you would make before you made it, before your grandma ever came into being, and he made provision for you. He he knew when you would make a mistake. He knew when you would make a mess, and he was like, this does not surprise me. I already made provision for you. So it always goes back to your choice. One of the most powerful things God ever gave man is choice. He gave you free will. What will you do with it? To the praise and the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The key word today we're looking at our message is redemption. Redemption. Redemption simply means to buy back. If you are redeemed, you had a change of owners. When you look at the word redemption, redemption views man as born into the slave market of sin due to Adam's original sin. Redemption views man as born into the slave market of sin due to Adam's original sin. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Redemption views man as born into the slave market of sin due to Adam's original sin. Redemption, to buy back. If you're redeemed, you had a change of owners. So today in the series, The Slave Market, The Groves in the Father's House, we're going to examine the slave market. So go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Stop right there. Image and likeness. Two similar words. You have to realize when God created man, his body was in the likeness of God. What do you mean? When you look at different descriptions of God in the Bible, he is sitting on a throne. That's why you can sit on chairs. You're made in his likeness. He has eyes. He has a mouth. He has a nose. He has hands. You were made, your body was made in his likeness. But your spirit was made in his image. Amen. 
so that your spirit looks just like him. So he made you in his image and his likeness. He blessed you. He empowered you and gave you dominion. That's what he did in the beginning. Look in chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So he formed you in his likeness. He made you in his image. When you were formed in his likeness, he took the dirt of the ground to form Adam. When he made you in his image, he spoke to himself. And your spirit came into being. Pre-existing material was the dirt. The material for your spirit was God's spirit. Now, when you look at the gospel, John chapter 1 specifically, it says that all things were made by or through Jesus. So God was speaking, the Holy Spirit was moving, and Jesus was making. So just imagine with me, if you will, Jesus in his pre-incarnate state, standing before the lifeless Adam who's just formed but hasn't become the living soul or speaking spirit yet. The future man, Jesus, who has every blessing, because God put it in him before the foundation of the world, stood before Adam, the first man, and gave life to him. The second Adam created the first Adam. The future man created the first man. Image, likeness, blessed with every blessing. Now go to Genesis 5. Look at verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, and the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Let's pause right there. I want to show you as an example. So, Minister and Mrs. Hearns, if you can come and help me for a second. You're going to be Adam and Eve for me. Don't you just love our youth pastors? So if you guys can stand right here for me. Don't they make a great Adam and Eve? All right, you guys can face the congregation. God made them in his image and his likeness. When they sinned, when they transgressed the commandment, they fell short of the glory of God. The glory of God lifted off of them. Satan became their master. He enslaved them. So now, although they were born as people with dominion and the godlike class, now the class they are in is slaves. When they sinned, they voluntarily walked into the slave market and closed the door. Now, let me use someone else. Brother Mike, if you can be Seth for me. They are in the slave market. Stand right here for me. And notice what chapter 5 says. 
Although Adam was made in the image and likeness of God, after he fell, Seth was made in the image and likeness of Although he was made in the image and likeness of God, Seth is now made in the image and likeness of a slave. Okay, stand right here. Can I have about five more volunteers? Let's come and stand. I want to prove a point. Let's come on, come on, come on. You guys stand next to Brother Mike. Now I want you to notice something. A child of a slave is a slave. So it keeps going down. Slave, slave, slave. It doesn't change. A slave cannot free a slave. Watch this. So let's say Brother Robert was thinking, well, if I work hard, I cannot be a slave anymore. How much does a slave make? Nothing. So let's say this next slave says, well, I'll work 10 times as hard as him. I'll do all these good works. I'll go to church. I'll be right. I'll be nice to people. I'll do 10 times as much as he did. But the thing is, 10 times zero is still zero. So he is still a slave. And a slave keeps producing a slave because only a free man can set a slave free. So anybody here cannot free you. That's why Mohammed is a slave and can't save you. Buddha is a slave and cannot save you. They were born slaves and they can't get you out of the slave market. Your good works can't get you out of the slave market. Everybody born is passed down with the likeness in the image of their father, the sin nature of their father, slave after slave after slave after slave, and you know, say the, I have it locked up. Nobody can come into the world without a father. I have them forever. But what if it was possible? For a free man to be born of a woman, because the woman does not pass down the sin nature. What if there was a virgin birth? I know it sounds impossible, but what if there was a virgin birth and a free man came into the world and passed the test that Adam failed? A free man who could connect you to God. In order for it to be an equal connection, that man had to be 100% God and 100% man. So that he could represent both equally. He would have to be 100% man so he can qualify as a substitute. And that free man came. The future man, the second Adam who spoke life into the first Adam, was born of a virgin, lived the sinless life, became your substitute, shed his precious blood, and he opened up the slave market. Now, how do you get out? All you have to do is walk out. You guys can walk back to your seats. Why do I say that? 
Your sin did not put you in the slave market. You were born in sin. So your drinking did not put you in the slave market. Your smoking weed did not put you in the slave market. Your clubbing did not put you in the slave market. Your homosexuality did not put you in the slave market. You sleeping around did not put you in the slave market. You were born into sin. And the only way you can get out is if the free man came and he did. And he opened up the door. Now all you gotta do is walk out. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. The door is open forever. 1 Peter chapter 1. Glory to God. 1 Peter chapter 1. you have to understand your sin doesn't send you to hell the only thing that keeps you from going to heaven that sends you to hell is rejecting Jesus your lying does not send you to hell your immorality is not sending you to hell what you do with Jesus determines if you go to heaven or hell it's not about how many good things you do. Like you get to the end of the road and says, God, I've done enough good. I'm sure it outweighs my bad. But didn't we say before, all your good things as an unrighteous, as a sinner, are like filthy rags. You offer filthy rags. This should be enough to let me in. Well, if my works aren't good enough, how do I get in? Compared to like you're taking a test in school and the only way you can get into heaven is if you get a 100 and no one ever has scored a 100. You can do your best and you got a 92, but you still can't get in. But the free man, the future man, the second Adam came, took the test and got a 100 and gave his score to you. And he says, God, you can't do that. That's cheating. But in heaven, it's called grace. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 19, it's not about all the good things and bad things you've done. It's all about what has Jesus done. You see, Jesus had made the decision to come into the earth before the earth was formed. So before you ever did anything good or bad, Jesus says, I am coming for you to give you a choice. I won't force you to go to heaven. I won't force you to leave the slave market, but I will open the door and give you a choice. First Peter chapter one, verse 18. Let's look at the price that opened up the slave market. Remember redemption and means to buy back, meaning there was a price paid. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, 
The price that was paid was the shed blood of Jesus. That's why we're not ashamed to sing about the blood. That's why we're not ashamed to plead the blood and talk about the blood. Because if there was no shedding of blood, I'd still be in that slave market. That's why we don't take down our theology to natural means and dismiss the virgin birth. Because if there was no virgin birth, I'd still be in the slave market. But there had to be a free man who was perfect, who never sinned, who was 100% God. 100% man who was willing to take my place, who was willing to be beat with a cat of nine tails to the inch of his life, to carry a cross, to be nailed and hung high, to take all the abuse, to take all the violence, to give up his last breath, to go to hell in my place and to raise again on the third day. There had to be somebody willing to do that for me when I was still ungodly, when I was still dead in my sins. And thank God his name is Jesus. He paid the price. The door is open. Go to Revelation chapter 5. How do you walk out the slave market? By receiving. It's as simple as that. Jesus, I receive you and everything you've done for me. You can walk out. Revelation chapter 5. Glory to Jesus. He is worthy forever. That's why we'll be singing in heaven for always. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You got me out the slave market. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. You did what people thought were impossible. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Saying with a loud voice in verse 12, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is worthy. But notice what it says in verse 9. Verse 8. I mean verse 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. You look at other times in the book of Revelation, it says he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The provision to get you out of the slave market and all of its effects was made available before the world began. That's why I said at the beginning of the message, your answer was here before your problem ever showed up. Your provision was here before your lack ever showed up. Your answer, your solution was here before you ever made a mistake or made a mess of things. He's worthy. Notice he has redeemed us to God by his blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And has made us. Who? The people who walked out of the slave market. Who did he make the redeem? Kings and priests. I am no longer a slave. Not only did he get me out of the slave market, he changed my status. Whoever heard of a slave becoming a king? Whoever heard of someone born into slavery becoming a priest? I walked out the slave market and he made me a king. I walked out the slave market and he made me a priest. We are a royal priesthood as the body of Christ. Jesus is known as the king of kings. Who is the king over? You. 
you are the redeemed. I'm no longer in the slave market. I've been redeemed to God. I've been bought back. I am a king and a priest. Titus 2.14 says he redeemed us from all iniquity. He bought you back, brought you back from all sin. No sin has to keep you bound. Don't let the world tell you you are born this way, you are stuck like this, nothing can get you out. It doesn't matter if you were born this way, you can be born again. You don't like the way you're born the first time, try it again. Everybody has in their sinful fleshly nature something they are tempted to do. But the thing is, if you've been born again, if you've been redeemed, you've been made greater than every temptation. How do I know that the man who passed every temptation, who passed every test, lives on the inside of you, believer? Redeemed from all iniquity, it says in Titus 2.14. And it says, he purified unto himself a peculiar people, a set-apart people zealous of good works we've been redeemed and now we're zealous for good works not so we can try to get in we already know we're getting in but i'm doing good works now because my nature has changed i'm doing good works now because my status has changed i'm not trying to get out the slave market i've already left i'm a king and a priest and a king and a priest should do good works galatians 3:13 says we are redeemed from the curse of the law why? He became a curse for us. The son of the blessed one hung on the cross, became cursed so that we might be blessed. Amen. And what is the definition of the curse of the law? It is poverty, sickness, and death. So when you see those things try to happen in your life, says that does not belong here. I am redeemed. One of the things I was, I was teaching some young people who were dealing with asthma, I said, it's okay, take your medicine, do what you have to do. But every time as you take it, I'm redeemed from allergies. Why? Allergies aren't part of your covenant. Breathing issues is not part of your covenant. You are redeemed. Doesn't matter what you're going through. I am redeemed. Doesn't matter if you put yourself in that situation. I am redeemed. That's how you respond to temptation. Someone tries to tempt you with something. No, that's the activity of the slave market. I'm not there anymore. I'm redeemed. Why don't you drink? I'm redeemed. Why don't you smoke weed? I'm redeemed. I don't need to smoke weed to turn up. I got the Holy Ghost. I can turn up till it can't turn no more because I am redeemed. I don't live this way because I'm redeemed. My identity is the redeemed. I live a certain way because I'm redeemed. I live my worth. That's why I don't settle. What is my worth? The blood of Jesus. So that's why you can't settle just for anything because your worth is too high. Too high of a price was paid. Live your worth. The price, the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9.12 tells us that the redemption is eternal. That means even though I'm redeemed, I may make a mistake, but that does not change my status. I have been declared righteous and just forever. Those are my standings. 
I'm redeemed. I know my identity. Even if I make a mistake after I got out the slave market, I did not become, I used to be redeemed. I am eternally redeemed. I will be known as redeemed throughout all eternity. Because that's who Jesus made me. And that same verse in Hebrews 9, 12, says we are, our redemption is eternal and we are purged from dead works that we might serve the living God. I'm eternally redeemed. The dead works I try to do in the slave market don't matter anymore. I can now serve the living God because I'm free. I'm redeemed. I'm a king. I'm a priest. I'm not in the slave market anymore. I'm in the Father's house. Go to 2 Corinthians 5. We're close here. 2 Corinthians 5. The slave market, the groves, and the father's house. The key word today is redemption. We are the redeemed. 2 Corinthians 5. Look at verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us, because thus, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Because he died for me, He took my place. It just makes sense that I live for the one who died for me and got back up again. When you look at all, he said, all the other religions of the world, their leaders, their pseudo-messiahs, their pseudo-saviors are still dead. Jesus is alive. Dead men don't heal people. But you saw Jesus heal people today. Why, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He conquered the grave. He got back up again. Jesus said of himself, I have the power to lay down my life and pick it up again. No man can take my life. I freely give it. Why? I'm a substitute. I came to get you out. So constrained by his great love, I live for him as the redeemed. Why? The love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, the spirit of love who is given unto me. I don't do good works in order to try to earn what God has freely given me. And that's why I can't boast. Think about this example. Let's say somebody came in and they came up to you with keys to a Ferrari. It said, this is for you. All you have to do is take it. And he says, oh, but is it good on gas mileage? No, it's not. Well, I can't afford it. Don't worry. I've purchased all the gas you'll ever need. Ooh, what about that insurance? Well, it's up there. But don't worry. I've taken care of your insurance. Well, what about this? What about that? I've taken care of it all. All you got to do is take the keys. So you wise up and say, I'll take the keys. And you walk out and go, didn't you see that? Wasn't that wonderful? What? 
didn't you see how I flexed my muscle and took those keys? All you did was receive. All you did was take what was already purchased and prepared for you. That's why you can't boast of how good you are. It's all by the grace of God. If you want help to see things rightly in your life, if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's you. Where is boasting then? I boast in him. Says, what if things just happen in the natural course of nature and good things happen to me? Well, who set the good things in motion? God. He's like, oh, I worked hard. You have breath in your body because of God. You have ability to work because of God. Every good thing in your life is from him. Why? He's the father of life whom proceeds every good thing. And all praise, glory, honor, and fame goes back to him. I don't do good works in order to try to earn what God has freely given me. It's already mine. I do good works to show the light that is in me. I do good works to serve the God I love. I do good works because I live for the one who died for me. I do good works for the love of God constrains me. I do good works because I have the heart of God. The love of God is shed abroad in my heart. See, when you are born again, Nothing happened to this body. This is the last part of your redemption. This is, your body is redeemed when Jesus comes back and takes you up to heaven in the rapture. But when you were saved, your spirit was born again, it was created. Your old man died and you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. All old things were passed away. So you are completely new. Everything in your spirit, in your heart is like God. You have his heart. You have his love. You have his ability. You have his power. He put his wisdom on the inside of you. A lot of times people go around looking for the answer and they don't realize God put the answer on the inside. So you have to listen to that still small voice of the Holy Ghost who lives on the inside of you and then you know what to do. Because everything on the inside changed. We'll get into this next week and later. Your soul, which is your mind, your will, and the very seat of your emotions has to be renewed daily, not just Sundayly. You have to keep renewing your mind. Because if you don't renew your mind, you'll still live like you're in the slave market, even though you're a king and a priest. You still try to do good works. You'll try to see if God loves you or not. Because you don't understand you're already redeemed. You got to renew your mind. See, Satan's trying to... Con- tame you and push you back into the slave market. Or if he knows I can't get you in, I'll at least if you're outside, I'll make you think you are so you can never do damage to my kingdom. You have to renew your mind. It's your mind will limit you because your mind is not renewed by the word of God. I do good works because I have the heart of God. I view everything through my identity, my status as redeemed. I am in Christ. So why participate in the activities of the slave market? I'm redeemed. I don't think I'm better than anybody else. I just know I've been purchased. I know I am not my own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. I was bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. 
Therefore, I glorify God. I make him famous in my body and my spirit, which are God's. So I don't do things because I think I'm better than everyone else. I just know I'm not everyone else. I'm not. I'm not them. That's why teenagers, you're trying to go to these parties, and that's why that high doesn't work for you like it works for them. Yeah, I'm putting your business on the street. Because you are not them. That's why you try to go back to the lifestyle you used to live adults, and it doesn't satisfy you like it used to because you are not them. You've changed. You've been redeemed. And so now you do good works. Why? To draw other people to let them know they can get out the slave market. It's not the issue of who's better or who does more good things. It's just I've received Jesus. Every good thing in me is because of him. Everything that's bad, he's still working it out of me. So you have to realize it's God who lives in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Meaning God is in you helping you not just to do right, but helping you to want to do right. None of this you are in by yourself. He didn't redeem you. He says, oh, have fun. He's working with you. You are accepted in the beloved. You are in Christ. That's why you should never look at yourself and say, I am not enough. If you look in the mirror and you're having these identity crises, you haven't seen Jesus lately because you should not be able to look in the mirror without seeing Jesus because you are in Christ. When God sees you, if you are a believer, he does not see your mistakes, all of your problems, all of your issues. He just sees the blood of Jesus. He sees Jesus, his son, and he sees you like him, so you get everything that Jesus gets. It's not about how good you were, how many, time, how many scriptures you can quote, how many times you came to church. It's all about what Jesus did. And if it's all about what Jesus did, what would you do now? I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, but you would like to today, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe he died for me. But on the third day, I raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit contact us because the ministry has been a blessing to you. Email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's info at FCCGA.com. We would love to hear from you. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to give financially, also go to FCCGA.com and you'll find out how to do so there. Enjoy your week and wherever you go.